0: Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. Today we are live from the road. No, I'm not the one on the road today. Our guest is on the road. She is on a book tour around the country teaching how nonprofits and real estate professionals can fund their causes using real estate, along with a whole much more knowledge on top of that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. So today we have with us Cammie Baker, and I had a just a wonderful picture all set up to share with you, and we're just going to start with bloopers today right out of the gate. One of those was going to be one of those days. Just got back from our trip. hope you were uh, tracking us across country. Cammie is touring the country in a 30-foot RV. We met when I was in Dallas, Texas through our mutual friend, Tim. Gillette. Sorry, Tim, Tim who? Tim Gillette. That's right. Gillette. Jeez, I was futzing with something else. This is, welcome to my Blooper reel.
1: Be present. Come be, be present. with us, Jeff.
0: In the moment, huh? What? Oh, hey, Cammy. <laughs> <laughs> I are a professional. Holy cow. Cammy! thanks so much for being with us today. As you're watching this, grab something to write with. This is going to be a great conversation. Cammy is doing incredible work touring the country. And I, I wanted to start right with, What is, you know, how is it that so many people working in the not-for-profit space in the fundraising space are making this massive mistake that you're, that you're teaching everyone about? What are they missing?
1: You know, Jeff, people just don't know what they don't know and it's okay. But now that we are teaching it, we actually have a warning. So instead of holding up a book, I've actually got the, the five foot image behind me. Real estate is hot. Fundraising is not And in the beginning of the book, in the beginning of our master class, we give a warning and the warning is you can't unlearn what you're getting ready to learn. And once you know the truth, this can be a blessing or a curse. It's a blessing. If you share it, it's a curse if you keep it to yourself. And the reason that nonprofits just don't know about gifts of real estate and how it can be risk free and easy and no money out of pocket. Here's the thing. There's 1.5 million nonprofits. 99 more than 99% of them are not only not asking for gifts of real estate because they think it's complicated and they've heard horror stories, a lot of really true ones, and they're just scared to death of it. Not only are they not asking for it, but when it comes their way, they are turning it down. And the fact is, real estate is 43% of our wealth in this nation as opposed to 3% of cash. So when nonprofits aren't benefiting from the proceeds, they don't have to take title. They can just take the proceeds of real estate. When they aren't opening themselves to that, they are missing out on the ability to six times what they are currently bringing in from the same donors they already have. So if a nonprofit is bringing in a hundred thousand, they could be bringing in six hundred thousand. If they're working on a million, they could be using six million. So we want to educate them that it can be risk free, no money out of pocket.
0: That's incredible, those six times their current fundraising. Holy cow!
1: There is a gentleman named uh, Dr. Russell James, who is a uh-huh. professor at Texas Tech, and he is known for doing research on non-cash assets. And he teaches uh, financial professionals at the college, how to do estate planning. And he's just fabulous. And his research has shown that when a nonprofit takes cash only, they'll grow at 11%. And then there's a few variables in the middle, but when they will take non-cash assets in our case, real estate, 66% growth, a six times what they would with cash only. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. Research backed up. Holy cow. I, I want to, I wanna, this is great. I want to back up for just a second though. You, you describe yourself as a revolutionary visionary. And as you're watching this, I've had a chance to talk with Cammy face to face. That is such an understatement. I love that moniker, revolutionary visionary. How did you get on, how did you get started on this path?
1: Well, Jeff, let me just say you are visionary as well. I can't have this conversation with 95% of people I meet. So thank you for what you're doing in the world too. For me, how I got on this path, I mean, I I guess it kind of starts back when I was eight years old and I saw that kids at my school had money in their pocket and they wanted my gum. So I started buying extra gum and selling it to the other kids at a 500% markup. And then when I had money in my pocket, I was loan sharking it out. At high interest, (laughs) five hundred
0: percent markup. A holy cow!
1: Well, you know, when when you buy a pack of gum for ten cents and it's got five sticks in it, and you sell each stick for twenty five cents, I mean, it kind of adds up, you know.
0: Look, right, right. forty years ago, the thinking at that age. No, no, that was more like fifteen years ago, right?
1: Well, you know, people will ask, "How did you think of that?" And I always think, "How did you not think of that? How do you not see?" How easy that is. But I guess I've just always had that that creative, like, how do you make money at this kind of a mindset? So I digress going back that far, but I've always been an entrepreneur. And fast forward, when I was in real estate, I door knocked, I cold called, I paid Mm -hmm. for coaching. I learned how to handle objections. I competed in the marketplace. I was really making stuff happen in real estate. I did HGTV house hunters and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And while I was in real estate, I also did a lot of fundraising. I had a 64 and a half Mustang convertible and it was really cool. And it was a lot of fun. And I did car shows and parades and the money we raised went to nonprofit. So there was all this background of real estate and nonprofit, knowing the struggles and the triumphs in both industries. And three and a half years ago, just before the pandemic, I'm at a conference And I hear the speaker say charitable gifting of real estate. How, what, who, how have I been in real estate for 20 years? How have I been working with Ronald McDonald house and make a wish foundation and local children with cancer and firefighters who have fallen in the line of duty? How have I been doing golf tournaments and car shows and bake sales and barbecues and ballroom functions? And not ever heard of this. So a couple months later, the pandemic happens. My first book mingled to millions. All the speaking I was doing. All the fundraisers. We were doing fundraisers. All that stuff came to a crashing halt. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing that could happen for me. Because I was like, what is this charitable real estate thing? And I started delving into it. I started researching it. Mm -hmm. I started interviewing Mm -hmm. people. And within about a year, I became one of the experts in this industry so that we can teach real estate agents how to have a unique sales proposition, how to make money, making a difference. We can teach the nonprofits that the donors they already have will mm-hmm. donate real estate. Not every one of them, but all you need is one for the average of six hundred thousand dollars. Holy so cow! Educating—that's
0: so such a huge jump over what they're what the average. You would be uh, rate fundraising from a typical donor.
1: You know, we've done a lot of research on, on, on the average fundraiser. Like, look, the average bake sale, Mm -hmm. we might raise $600, right? And everybody puts all their time and energy into baking all those cookies and cupcakes. But the fact Mm -hmm. of the matter is here, here's, here's the statistics and here's why this works as a nation, whether you make 20,000 a year or 20 million a year, As a nation, we have less than 3% of our wealth in pocket change, in our checkbook, in good old-fashioned cash. As a matter of fact, according to Dr. James, it's 2.7% that we have access to in cash. But as a nation, 43% of our wealth is held in real estate, primary residence, secondary home, investments, commercial, residential, raw land. And so when you look at that, and then you understand that the $474 billion a year that nonprofits are bringing in, 90% of that is coming from the 3% of cash, and only 2%, $9 billion, is coming from real estate. So it is happening. It's been happening for 100 years, but the numbers just don't work. And so it's what- completely what, backwards
0: from what it should be.
1: Totally. And the reason that it's backwards is because nonprofits that have accepted real estate have gotten themselves in a pickle. Maybe it was contaminated. Maybe they took title to something, not realizing they couldn't sell it or whatever the horror story is.
0: It, it, it does seem that would be a, an incredibly complicated process. Well, To go through is. and actually get it right.
1: It is. And that's why we don't want them to do it. Mm-hmm. We don't want the nonprofits themselves to take title. Please, dear God, don't misunderstand. We don't want you to take title. What we want you to do is simply understand that what we have here is a third party that is a specialized 501c3 whose sole reason for existing is to take real estate anywhere in the country, sometimes anywhere in the world. On behalf of any nonprofit, they take title, they pay off mortgages, they assume all responsibility, they give the donor the tax incentives they're wanting, and then they, we, list it with a real estate agent at a full commission. And once all expenses are recouped, the donor's designated nonprofit receives 90 to 98% of the proceeds. It is that simple. It really is
0: that simple.
1: Yeah. 90 to 98%. Yes. and Just
0: thinking of the scandals that I've heard over the years where that doesn't necessarily happen. The money doesn't get where you want it to go. What a way to really guarantee to maybe a strong word, but to assure that the money is going to the, to the people that need it so that they can do the work that they're doing.
1: Well, Jeff, when I started doing my research, I did find groups that do this type of a thing but keep 70 percent oh of the really? proceeds and look hey 30 percent of a six hundred thousand dollar donation is better than a big fat goose egg you know if we right. are not going to get any but that's really working the system that is really taking advantage of people's good-hearted nature but exactly we have the vetted resources, and I'm not even going to share who they are on this show. you got to reach out to sure. me, right? I mean, sure. we've, we've put three and a half years into putting together a certification, a mm-hmm. master class, marketing pieces, funnels, and ways for people to find these donations of real estate. But look, here's the spoiler alert. The donors of this real estate are already on the nonprofit's donor list. The donors of this real estate are already working with financial advisors who know that their clients want to be more philanthropic and that they need tax deductions. We're just not educated enough to have these conversations. And that is why Mm. traveling the country, in the rig, visiting Dallas and other places, letting real estate companies know, tell... The nonprofits. There's on average 500 nonprofits per county in this country.
0: Per county. Per county. Holy
1: cow. And in Florida, it's 2,400 per county. And in California, it's 5,000 per county. Wow. Yeah.
0: And they're not, in, and the vast majority of them are not leveraging the use of real estate gifting to help with their fundraising.
1: 99% of them 99. are not.
0: Wow, what a missed opportunity
1: huge, huge missed opportunity. And the nonprofits are really the slowest to understand how this works. They get kind of caught up in the old fashioned thinking. Well, we're kind of too busy for this. Mm -hmm. We're doing our fundraiser, you know, and they're doing the same fundraisers, right? The same bake sales, the same golf tournaments. Friends, when you think about this, who is at a golf tournament? Jeff, if you go to a golf tournament, who do you see at a golf tournament?
0: Uh, lots of potential donors golfing.
1: And typically if people play golf and like playing golf and have time to play golf and have the resources to play golf, do you think they might own real estate?
0: Typically, yes, I would yeah. imagine.
1: Yeah. So it's not, it's
0: not an inexpensive sport to be in, or a pastime to be involved in. Well, I realize it's a sport, but it's also, I think a lot of, a lot of us, it's more a pastime. For me, it's more a way to dig holes in somebody else's grass.
1: <laughs> well, let's face it. Historically, country yeah. clubs, golf tournaments are known to yes, attract so. high net worth individuals. So friends, if you're doing a golf tournament, please do your golf tournament, go have fun, play, play in the sun, but just let people know have a little moniker right on your Mm -hmm. flyer, right on a table. Hey, by the way, we can benefit from gifts of real estate. This is all about just educating people and letting them know, because here's the thing. If you Google gifts of real estate, how to donate real estate, who takes gifts of real estate, you'll Mm -hmm. find nonprofits like Salvation Army or Cars for Kids and another dozen or so that we talk about in our classes. And people will say, well, Cammy." Why would you tell us other ones that take real estate if you want us to do it your way? Because here's the thing. If a donor just wants a tax deduction, if that's all they want, Salvation Army, Cars for Kids, great. Here's the problem. Your church, your veteran group, your animal rescue league, your community, your realtors, your financial advisors aren't being paid they're not being compensated. The donor is not choosing your veterans group. Cars for Kids is brilliant. They have a campaign. They're letting people know, hey, we accept real estate, but they're not mm-hmm. going to give any to your veteran group. They're keeping it for themselves. So the well, reason it, the Real Agents of Change were created was so that all nonprofits can benefit from real estate.
0: Well, and, and what a way to really to, to really leave a true legacy for a local organization that's so close to your heart.
1: 1,000%. So close to
0: the community that you've grown up and been grown up with, been a part of for so long, and then be able to make sure that, that that's something that can become intergenerational.
1: Well, and the fact is there are people, right? Look, think of all the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Hundreds of thousands of people that are in their seventies, eighties, nineties and friends They don't all want to leave their stuff to their kids. They don't all have kids. They don't all have kids that want their stuff. As a matter of fact, we teach people how, look, if you've got a million dollar condo, it's all equity, pull out a couple hundred grand, go buy life insurance policies for your kids. They don't want your condo anyway. Get them a life insurance policy. Now they get the money that they want. And you can donate the rest of it to the nonprofit world. So there's a lot of fun ways to be creative mm-hmm. with how to take care of everyone. It is a win, win, win for everyone.
0: Well, and it's, it, as you pointed out, it's being able to get access to people that can, they can clearly walk them through the process like you're doing with your, with your courses, with your mentoring and make it accessible make it a simplified process so that they can they can do that without having become an all-consuming full-time job for them as well
1: as a matter of fact we have a couple of experts dr russell james is one another gentleman is rick peck who is a big part of community foundations i've been Mm -hmm. interviewing these guys quite a bit lately and and rick said the other day he said it's not just teaching people that it's possible and how to do it if you look at the other side of the coin. It's how to teach people not to do it wrong, not mm. to do it incorrectly. So in other words, yeah. letting people know well in advance, listen, you might be retiring or liquidating your estate or wanting to be philanthropic in a year or three years or five years. Let's set you up to do it the right way because, you know, it's, it's really disheartening to find someone who has a million dollar piece of property. They've already got it on the market. They've already got a buyer lined up. Oh, oops, I just heard about this. I think I want to donate. Well, it's too late. If yeah. you already got a buyer, you can't, there's IRS stipulations. So let's set people up for success. Let's let them know well in advance that this is a part of their estate planning so that your community can benefit. I mean, imagine if, if 1%, if just 1% of the nonprofits in your community, I mean, the average com, average county has 499 nonprofits. If just one percent of them, five, were to get a donation of real estate this year at an average of six hundred thousand, that is an average equity from one piece of property of six hundred thousand. You're looking at three million dollars coming into your community. What mm, would that do for the yes. homeless? What would that do for the veterans and the, kids exactly. and the animals?
0: Exactly. And that, to me, that was part of the key when we were when you were. were helping me wrap my head around how simple this could be, even though it looks complicated on the surface, in terms of being able to really have a local impact. So it's helping communities get back to, look, we need to take care of our neighbors. We need to help each other and move more in that direction to solve problems that when we look at the overall issue, it's like it's it's impossible to do something about. But yet with that many not-for-profits already operating in local communities and the donors already being involved with them, what better way to to really have local control, local community, you know, and again, something that that it's not just a band aid. It's now we can really start changing the direction of of some of the problems, like homelessness, for example, well, as um, abusive, a, drug abuse, and and other things that go along with that.
1: You know, when you mentioned band aid, let's be real honest. A fundraiser is a band aid in the yeah. moment. As a matter of fact, in the book, we give the analogy of the difference between carrying buckets of water versus creating a pipeline. You know, Mm -hmm. in in the story, if, if anyone's ever read the parable of the pipeline, there's a village. The village is full of thirsty people and the water is miles away. So the guys are carrying buckets of water to the village, but the village is getting thirstier. The village is growing. So one of the guys is smart enough to say, hmm. I think if I dug a trench, I could create a pipeline and get the water to flow continuously. And in our analogy, the village is the nonprofits. The thirst, the water is the funding. They are thirsty. They are in a drought. They need more water, but there's only so many buckets we can carry. A bucket is the fundraiser. So instead of going and getting a bucket of funding every time you need a bucket of funding, what if you actually just had a pipeline? And you could turn it on, and it could just flow to you. We're not saying that you're going to get 20 donations and 100 million dollars this year. What we are saying is, you'll never get any if you don't ask, if you don't educate. And what if you got one this year? And what if you got one three years from now? And what mm-hmm. if what if the community started to understand that this was a way that it helps the donor too? Because it gives them a way to give smarter. The tax incentives for the right people, for the right people are so massive. We just want people to know that this is an option. And the real estate companies and CPAs and financial advisors, friends, 87% of your community wants to work with those that are on purpose, that are socially responsible. And instead of picking one or three or 10 nonprofits, what if you just help them all?
0: Mm. That's a mic drop moment right there. What if you help them all? Mm. I love it. And I want to, I want to come back to that because mic drop makes me think of magic (laughs) mic. And I hear some birds in the background. So are you actually outside while we're talking today?
1: I am. I I normally have my background on and try to look all professional, but I know we're about uh, adventure and yes,
0: um, so would, would you like a tour of my rig? I would love to. And just as you're watching this, Tammy, or is, Cammy, I'm sorry, Cammy. Good Lord. What a
1: morning.
0: I thought I was going to be on the road today, and I was thinking about where can I have a live background and ended up getting back late last night instead. Uh, but as you're watching this, Cammy is in the midst of doing a nationwide tour with, with her uh, rolling 30-foot rig Magic Mike, and we are about to get a tour of just this incredible setup that she has.
1: Well, actually, my first rig was Magic Mike because it was a Leprechaun, and Leprechaun made me me think of uh, Lucky Charms, which made me think of Magically Delicious, which made me think of Magic Mike. This one is actually a Chateau Hammer. And so I call it, excuse me, it's the Chateau Thor, so I call it the hammer. So this is the hammer. So um, as you can see, starting from the outside, we have our scooter that gets us around. And I've even branded the scooter with the rock. And uh, we've got the, the book on both sides of the rig. It's five-foot image. And I'll take you inside because we've got our, we got our hippie curtains here, hippie beads. And I love my Christmas lights. I put my Christmas lights and I put all of the fun words up trust and magic. And as we come into the boudoir, we have, we have peace signs everywhere. And I love my boudoir where I've got all my lights. And some stones and my my dream catcher. So this what is a
0: wonderful space. I love the feel of it, just even on camera, it just seems to be such an inviting, it's like a rolling luxury condo.
1: And then this is this is Raven. Hey Raven! Raven the Rescue Rig Dog. Raven the Rig Dog is rolling with the rock. <laughs> so <laughs> we just love 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 our fun setup and every time i get wherever i'm going i'm out hanging up all my signs i got my i got my cool little dealy bob but i hang everything up and i it's kind of like playing house everywhere i go and you know we can set up in a um and a Walmart parking lot for a day as we're traveling around. We go to real estate offices, nonprofit offices. I'm part of Thousand Trails. So we set up here in the
0: woods for a couple of weeks at a time. And doing book signings. And thank you again for the I was so glad to be able to pick up one of your books and have it signed. It's awesome. So you're doing book signings, speaking. Who else are you meeting with as you're traveling?
1: You know, we will meet with anyone who really just wants to understand how this works. It could be a, a chamber of commerce or a group of business people.
0: Mm-hmm. It can
1: be people that are philanthropic. It can be marketing people who say, wait a minute, corpor- corporate social responsibility. This takes mm-hmm. it to a whole new level. Yes. So, yes, uh, you know, we, we love meeting. I was in Denver doing a speaking, I didn't drive there. I flew there. Um, and I did a speaking engagement for the top 10, uh, realtors in that area. So Florida, ah, in Florida, we have a CE course for realtors. We have the very first Ooh. three hour continuing education yeah. for realtors in Florida. So
0: that's huge. Know. Be able to help meet their, their continuing education requirement at the same time and bring some powerful new tools and perspectives to the table for them.
1: You know, I, I, over the last three years, we've created the certification for charitable real estate. The book came out. We got the CE course approved. Once you get the first one done, it's just dominoes to do the rest of them. I and people keep asking me, Cami, why is the board of realtors not just sharing this with all realtors? Why aren't all realtors being taught this in every state? It's such yeah. a win-win-win. They get paid a full commission. You know, We want the realtors to know just because people are giving real estate away and just because proceeds go to the nonprofit world, that doesn't mean we want you to do it for a discount or to give us a donation. We want you to get paid. So it's just, we're just one person away, one person away in all these different industries and organizations of it just Mm -hmm. being taught to everyone in that industry. Rick Peck, is one of our friends. He's going to be working with the CPA firm that has nine hundred CPAs nationwide. Wow. Every one of them need a realtor, so mm-hmm. that's what we're doing.
0: That's incredible, and, and I just love how it truly is a win-win for everybody at the table.
1: It so is, and you know, even though we can help all nonprofits, there are sub niches. You know, if a realtor or a financial advisor wants to work with veterans or animals or children. I have a soft spot from uh, for animals since I've been in Texas. I gosh knows there's horses everywhere. I'm thinking maybe I'll even just start stopping in at the horse farms. I mean I mean these oh, yeah. horse farms out here are huge. These people are yeah. not hurting. They got property. So to be able to stop in and say, Hey, you know, I'm touring the country. I'm wanting to help animals. You know, every one of these places they have, they, they are farms that help animals. They want, as a matter of fact, when I very, very, very first got started, when I had that antique car, the very first nonprofit that I served was called the live and let live farm in New Hampshire. And it rescues horses that would otherwise just perish. People, People go into foreclosure. They move into an apartment. They leave their horses in the stable to starve to death. So, oh oh yeah. So that's where I got started was with the horse rescue. So I'd love to specialize in animal rescue leagues, um, but it doesn't matter if if it's churches, if it's your university, public radio, public TV. Friends, these are all nonprofits and they all need our help.
0: Yes. Yes, they do. And so there's a lot of good work that's being done We just need to help more of it happen and what a great way to go about it. I I wanted to ask a a little bit different question. You've been an entrepreneur since selling gum in grade school. You were involved with HGTV's, uh, a veteran of HGTV's uh, the house hunters series. You've been a, a very, very successful realtor. You've written multiple books, bestseller. Now you're touring the country. How, how has, what you, how, the way you think about what you're doing, has that shifted and grown over the years through those experiences?
1: Well, I tell you, I, um, part of my story that, that people like to hear about is also my, my, uh, alcoholism. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I got sober, um, about three months before I got a job at a real estate office as a listing coordinator for another agent who did 125 deals a year, and that was really wow. that was really God or the universe working uh, in my life to give me a job that led mm-hmm. me into real estate, which you know just really opened my my eyes. And I still go to the twelve step program every every city I roll into. I stop and I you know meet and and uh, have meetings. And boy, talk about the expansion of your mind, going from sitting on a bar stool, talking about what you could have, should have, would have done to actually mm-hmm. doing those things and, yes. and going from being a real estate agent, you know, and a real estate agents in a 25 mile radius, typically, you know, you, you, you it's kind of hard to travel the country if you're trying to service clients who own property in a certain part of, of the world. So. Real estate was really good to me. It was really good for me and my daughter. I was able to set my own schedule. I had that really cool 64 and a half Mustang convertible. And, you know, I was following behind the bus, you know, when we were going to field trips in Boston and on the coast. And, uh, you know, as a real estate agent, we actually... Uh, worked with the Boys and Girls Club long before I knew about charitable real estate. We did fundraisers for Boys and Girls Club and and brought those kids from the inner city out to the beach and just did so much fun stuff back then. We did so many car shows and and all those things. But then when I learned about charitable real estate and I realized it's not a city thing, it's not a state thing. It's a nationwide thing. It's a, it's a U.S. tax code, 1917. The government said, Hey, if you'll donate to these things called a 501 C three, you get a tax deduction. And when it comes to real estate, you avoid capital gains tax. You can write off the appraised value as the basis of your tax deduction. In other words, people will ask, well, and how does it work in my state? Works the same in every state. It's a U.S. based tax code. So I thought, huh, why don't I get an RV, and why don't I put logos on it and have companies sponsor and bring us to their to their groups? Well, you know, a few months later, here I am with my RV, and and I'm the one sponsoring it. I I, I haven't had any uh, companies that I've agreed to sponsor with yet because I don't want to be stuck with one real estate company or One nonprofit or one financial, I'd, I'd rather just foot the bill myself and be able to help them all. That's the way my mind works. So when you say, has your mind expanded? Have you? Yeah. Yes, it has. Because when I think about having one, you know, Remax or EXP or Century Mm -hmm. 21 logo, that would so limit me from all the ones that I could help. So I just want your viewers to know it doesn't matter what your company it is. It doesn't matter what nonprofit you love. We can help them all.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Where Where's your next stop? Where are you currently and where's your next stop?
1: You know, I'm going to stay in Texas for a little while. I was, okay. was going to hot foot it across the um, Uh, the desert and get out to California and record time to go do an event out there. But I got to thinking, wait, hold on. Why am I in such a hurry? I got this rig so I could see the country so I could breathe (sighs) and have some freedom. And, you know, being here where I'm at in Lake Whitney, Texas, kind of in the middle of nowhere, just kind of a stop um, in between I want to do that. I, I want to go to the local. I went yesterday. I went down to their local downtown area. You know, it's old, you know, old Western town. I want to do that kind of stuff. I don't want to be in a hurry to get 1500 miles in, in the next three days. So I'm going yeah. to hang out in Texas for a little bit, but um, this RV uh, re- uh, resort that I, that I work with uh, thousand mm-hmm. trails, you know, I can stop all kinds of different places. And I have a membership that gives me the ability to camp, not camp resort living for free for the rest of my life. Wow. So if anybody wants to That's hear about incredible. that, there's that conversation too.
0: Indeed. Well, and, and it seems more, so this was my, when we met in Texas, this was my second cross country drive in, well, last six months did the same thing back to Ohio and Michigan last fall. And I had such great conversations with several people that were, you know, driving RVs, doing what you're doing. They're just like taking their time. They're like going, Oh yeah, we're going to take a month or two and we're seeing what we can see. And it just sounded like what a wonderful way to see the country, enjoy time with people that that you want to meet. You know, if you've got people coming along with you, enjoy time with people you care about and have such a different perspective.
1: it it takes a while to really get in your own head that you're not in a hurry because you don't have to go back. Yes. You don't have to get back for me. I don't, I don't have a house. I don't have a storage unit. Everything I own is right here. And my mother passed away a couple of years ago. So that Hmm. kind of tethered spot is, is gone. I have a -hmm. daughter and she's up in Maine, but Um, But in general, I'm not in a hurry. I don't need to get it done. I don't need to get back and make sure that, you know, the water pipes haven't burst or take care of an animal to pick up or whatever. I don't have a, I don't have a neighborhood of people to hurry up and get back to. My friends are all over the country. I I meet with my friends like you, like Tim, like others via Zoom, you know, and it doesn't matter where I am. Uh, now, granted, right. I do like to stop and I've got friends in Vegas. I got friends in San Diego. I got, you know, and uh, uh, Scottsdale, etc. So I'll stop and, and visit with people, but there's such freedom in knowing that there's n- no time schedule and you don't, and I'm never, I'm never going back. I'm always going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's just that, you know, they're the way that I was doing my trips, it's like with this, after we'd met, I was able to do that a little bit where I had some time and I could just, I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to stop here and spend a couple hours or half a day. Or I was out at uh, Sam Rayburn Lake visiting a friend that had just had some surgery and and carved out an extra day there and gosh, what you know, just sitting by the lake, listening to the birds. What a wonderful way to spend an afternoon and it changes everything. And it just reminded me of there's so much to see so many great people to meet when you have the opportunity to travel without the time crunch.
1: Amen. then and I, had, you know,
0: I had, something that came up here in LA and it's like, okay, I've got to chew concrete to get back in a couple of days. And it always leaves me with a longer list of things that, uh, to, to stop and see on another trip or to go, you know what, next time, going to work that schedule better. So there's more time to stop and stop and chat, stop at a, at a diner in a small town and get to know some people. And what a wonderful way to travel around the country. It's just always so encouraging.
1: Well, and when you get on my soapbox,
0: but I just love doing that because it's just all these amazing. I had just one amazing story after another that came out of the trip where I'd stopped. I'm doing something. I'm just enjoying the environment or learning a little bit about the history about an area. And, all of a sudden get some start chatting somebody up and, and it ends up being a wonderful conversation or someone asks for, for directions. Always watch for someone asking for directions. That's usually a sign, <laughs> so to speak, that something interesting is about to occur, you know, or being able to help somebody else. Hey, can you help me with this? Go, yeah, sure. And all of a sudden here's a connection with someone that I wouldn't have otherwise met. And I get to hear their phenomenal life story. They had well, a couple and- of those, those situations occurring. It's just like, well, what, you know, what a blessed way to be able to, to get to know people and invest the time to have
1: Jeff, you would love having all your stuff in an, in an RV because, you know, there would have been a time I would have been doing what you're doing. And I would be like, you know, I, I need to change my clothes out. Like I'm tired of wearing the same clothes or wow. What if my medication runs out and I got to go back home to get it or, you know, what if I needed my birth certificate, but I don't have it with me? In other words, when you have everything right. you own with you, you don't have to worry about changing out your suitcase or mm-hmm. refilling the medicine bottle or, or whatever that is. So it's taken me a while to really get, and there's also the mindset that you're on vacation when you're also actually mm-hmm. still working. Yes, um, I love you know, that. It, 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 it can it can be good and it can be a bit of a detriment to your business when you're like, oh, oh, they, they got skydiving here and a lot of manatees. And oh, I'm yeah. in Texas. I need to go horseback riding. So, I mean, there's a, the uh, option of doing all that. But I also do need to remember I got interviews to do and I got people to right. meet. I got classes to teach and I got product to sell, you know, because, you if you're not making money, you're not able to go make the memories either. So, you know, there, there's true. a little bit of that.
0: <laughs> well, still still the entrepreneurial path is a lifestyle. Oh. Right. And we need to we need to be mindful as entrepreneurs. Are we building the life that we want or are we getting caught up in being business owners and being shackled to the business? You're setting a great example of going, look, I want to purposefully build this lifestyle so that it all fits together. It's possible to go skydiving in the afternoon, then do some podcasting and and run a certification course and and whatnot afterwards. You know, it's like some people have the option of, oh, we're at the office. Oh, look, it's lunchtime. Well, let's take a little bit longer at lunch and we'll get a couple of people and go down the street to such and such cafe. That's nice. But why not be able to say, hey, you know what? I've got a two-hour break in between here, time to go horseback riding for lunch before the next, whatever the next scheduled thing is that you need to do business-wise occurs.
1: Well, for me, one of those things is the ability to take a nap every day.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) I love that. I have so, I'm with you. I've so come to appreciate power naps in the afternoon.
1: (laughs) You know, they say that entrepreneurs are the only people that are willing to work a hundred hours a week to avoid working 40.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which is why we need to be mindful to craft a lifestyle, right. That we enjoy so that it's energizing, not draining.
1: Well, you know, some people have the misconception about uh RV living too. I was at mm-hmm. an AA meeting actually a week or so ago and and I always, they always say, you know, are there any visitors? And I always say, well, you know, I'm traveling the country, in my RV, I always stop in it at meetings. And this guy says, you know, like, like being in an RV, like it, it would be so expensive to keep it up and the maintenance. And he made said whatever, you know, and I said, you know, I actually have found that RV living is way cheaper than oh, having a house, really? way cheaper. Wait, you, well, you figure now I've got a membership at this uh, resort uh, group. Mm-hmm. There's about 400 uh, resorts that I can stay in nationwide and they're not everywhere. Wow. That's a lot, but it's not many when you consider how big the country no. is. True. But when I'm in True. an area where I can stay in these RV resorts, I can stay three weeks at a time and then I'll go to another one for three weeks and another. but I, I don't pay. I already paid for that. Uh, I, I bought a membership a couple of years ago Um, so that part's free. Now, if I do stay at a campground, I might spend 30 or 50 bucks, but I rarely do that because I've got my own membership, but you know, I, I've got a, have got ai got a $600 a month, uh, rig payment, but that's my car and my house for $600. -hmm. I've got insurance. I would have had that anyway. And really I haven't paid an electricity bill, a cable bill. A gas bill. I put propane in it. It cost me $22 to put propane in it every four months, you know, for for hot water. Oh,
0: $22. Holy cow.
1: You know, yeah, I do pay a hundred dollars a month for internet, but I'd pay that anywhere I live. Pay that anyway, right? Right. So I I really it's cheaper. You know, I got some guys coming to fix a couple of things, probably cost me three or four hundred dollars, but I haven't had anything fixed on it in six months. So.
0: I don't I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> this may be more specific to Los Angeles, but having somebody to come over to fix something on your house or your condo here, it's not going to be three, $400. To I'll your you that right up front.
1: To <laughs> the point though, Jeff, hey, here's the thing. I'm in a really small, small town. Now I was yeah. in Dallas when I met you mm-hmm. and it would have been expensive there, but you got to be smart. I'm in a small town. These small town boys don't charge as much. so i'm I'm getting three or four things done here you know where they'll be real reasonable they'll be kind to that woman who's traveling all by herself if i was in la or new york or miami damn right it would cost more but that's why when you're on the road you're not you're not stuck with hiring the only person in town that can do it if that's too Mm -hmm. expensive you're going to be 200 miles down the road next week. Just do it over there, you know.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, it also fits back into what you were talking about earlier. What a better way to to give back to local communities. What a better way to spread it around. And what it to be able to live life in a way to go. You know what? I like this person over here. I've got an opportunity to do business with them. Let's let's do it.
1: You know, that is exactly yeah. what I, these two guys, they came yesterday. They looked at the things I need fixed. There was a couple of small things that they just fixed while they were here. Cause yeah. they could, and they're just good old boys, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know, if, if you can fix that, great, but it's not that important. And they spent half an hour and they fixed it. They didn't even charge me. They're going to be, you know, getting some parts. And so they're going to send me a, an invoice for the parts and let me know which way I want to go with that. But to your point, look. I, when I was in the Orlando area, if I called a repair person to come, they would have charged me $75 to even pull in the driveway. Yep. But here they were like, I sent them pictures and they are like, Oh, we'll just come by and look at it. And they, they fixed a couple of things while they were here for free. So <laughs> it's just a matter of being smart. And What do they call it? Situational awareness yes. when you're, when you're traveling yeah. in an RV and you're situationally aware. So for example, like, Right here, you'll see I've got two chairs put out.
0: Okay. Well, I yep. travel
1: alone. But one of the safety things that they talk about is always putting two chairs out so smart. that when people Very come smart. by, they assume that there's more than one person. I got a pair mm-hmm. of big men's shoes that I put outside the door. And some of my girlfriends would say, Cammy, don't tell people That's that. Sticky. You 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 know, you need to be safe. Your people don't know where I'm at. So I'll yeah. tell you some of the secrets and, and even,
0: especially in Texas, if you see a pair of shoes and you sneak up and go, oh, that might be Cami. That's, that's not a good area to be <laughs> playing that game. You know, I'm just just saying,
1: think about it though. If you see a big yeah. pair of men's boots outside, you are, you are going to think twice before you well, want exactly. to Exactly.
0: You know, exactly. Because it's usually people that are going to attempt to take advantage, to put it politely, are looking for something that seems easy and quick. Or someone they can get, you know, that they have an advantage over. They can get the drop on. And and if you just, just enough, those little, those little steps. And it's great to share that because that's applicable pretty much anywhere, really. If we think about it, you know, as you're watching this, well, if you think about it, what do you do where you live to have some situational awareness? Because if they just raising the question in, you know, in an evildoer's mind, they're going, ah eh, that might not be a quick and easy takedown. They're going to move on
1: exactly that, they don't they don't want
0: complications again this is going to complicate things so no 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 no
1: i wouldn't even have thought about that when i was living alone as a woman but if you even mm-hmm. if you're in an apartment or a house put a get a big ass pair of men's boots and put them outside it can't hurt yeah yep.
0: You know, and get and them I, muddy so it looks like they you know they, they just took them off because they don't want to track it in the house and
1: seriously i mean it's just it's just smart and and i'll give you one more mm-hmm. tip while we're talking about it i was actually interviewed last week by a woman that I know that does uh safety. And I guess this month is uh sexual um, uh, so awareness for, for a uh, sexual um, predator mm-hmm. month or something. Mm-hmm. So another trick. Now I showed you my big 70 pound, big black dog that when people see yes. her, they cross the street, they, and she ain't nothing but a big bag of love. She wouldn't bite a, a flea if it was biting her. She's just, she's completely useless when it comes to, <laughs> with safety but you
0: don't know that i have saw because when we met you were walking your dog when tim right. and, I used to, and that was the first thing i was go. okay be mindful of the pup because you don't know when you're walking up
1: well so here's what i did i was in fort worth at a convention and there was a actual a, a parking lot behind the convention center that has gas and electric hookup. who knew okay. a water and electric so nice. i'm parked out i'm parked out back and you if I'm in an RV resort, I'm completely relaxed and I'm not on guard hardly at all. If I'm in a parking lot, hmm, now I'm listening, yeah. right? So I, the wind was blowing and I heard a little something that had me wake up. And my first thought, I look over at the dog and she's just, you know, she's under the bed. She didn't care. Uh, so I got on, on YouTube and I Googled snarling scary dog. And I've got a couple of videos that I have <laughs> saved on my YouTube. And I mean... <laughs>
0: it's brilliant
1: (laughs) and so and i've got a speaker that if i had to if i was inside and i really felt threatened i could turn that on and i could move around with that speaker too right and if people have seen me with the dog they would just assume it's her now now mind you she's under the bed with her head under the blanket she's scarier than i am but there you go. It's just yep. a, it's just a safety thing. Cause to your point, even if it sounds like a little yappy dog, that's still something they don't want to deal with. They
0: want an mm-hmm. easy target and a yep. dog in the house that's snarling is not an easy target. Not an easy target Well, just the fact that you're paying attention. They'll pick up on that. And it's like, okay, here's someone who's paying attention. Let's find someone who's not. So. It's so
1: true. And, and, and I just have to say this too, for our listeners, cause uh, it, this is a great tip my whole life, I've been one of those people who walk with purpose. Mm -hmm. I walk like I know where I'm going. I look like I own the place no matter where I am. And I remember being in Puerto Rico when I was 22, walking through just the whole downtown bad area, but walking like I had someplace to go and not one person mess with me, talk to me, came at me. So when you're wherever you are, don't look like a tourist don't look like you're confused don't look wishy-washy walk with purpose and people will leave you alone they've left me alone my whole life even at the bar they leave me alone
0: amen amen even if you're asking for directions or for help if you still have that that presence about you it's it's a different conversation amen you know and, and and I'm watching the clock. I promised we'd we'd keep it crisp and not go over an hour. You're doing so much. Everything you do with the the way you're you're living your whole lifestyle is about contributing back, connecting, connecting with, you know, the parts of the country that are not necessarily the big city and helping people be self-reliant. I love that. That's a huge theme for us in an overriding goal, which is why I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to have you on the show. Hopefully we can do it again because I think I am listening. I heard three or four things that we could do like an entire segment on all by itself and love to help you know, to help get the message out, but also keep track of uh, where you're at in your journey, too.
1: Well, and we'd love to, to share more and more stories about the donations themselves mm-hmm. of real estate. Mm-hmm. For example, there was just one. That, now, I've got on my Google alerts uh, donations of real estate, and this isn't one of ours. But just before we jumped on here, there's a story that just came up on the Internet of a guy that donated $15 million worth of real estate to a university. I just posted it on my feed. You know, it's, there's Mm -hmm. story after story that's happening. Keep in mind, 9 billion with a B does find its way to the nonprofit world through gifts of real estate every year. And it's happening just onesie twosie. A financial advisor realizes their client wants to do it or you know, it's just one at a time. Salvation Army takes about 2,000 gifts a year. So they get a big chunk of that. But it's a handful of people who figured it out. And when I learned about it, I said, everybody deserves to know about this. Not just the elite, not just the, you know, the ones that are really well advised. What if we made everybody advised? What if everybody knew about it? And experts say that that $9 billion could, should, would, will go to $29 billion a year with education and information. That's what we're providing. We don't sell people on it. We don't convince people to donate real estate. I don't think you could convince somebody to sign over their deed, but we want people to know we educate and inform so that people can make their own informed business decision so mm-hmm. that 80% of these donations happen because of altruistic intention, they are a veteran and they want to help their brothers and sisters. They are yes. an animal lover and and they've they're cash conservative, asset rich, cash conservative, got a couple of properties later in life gonna liquidate them anyway. looking for a tax benefit. why not help the church? That's what we're talking about.
0: Exactly exactly. What's, what's the best way to keep in touch? I've got a couple of nonprofits that I'm thinking of that I'd like to connect you with. Um, what's the best way to go about that and, and learn more about what you're doing?
1: Well, I, I'm easy to find when you, when you Google my name, and I, I've become the foremost authority in, in this whole genre, so it's not hard to find me. My cell phone number is 603-785-2598. I, I want people to know I'm real, I'm raw, I'm relatable, And I'm reachable. And please feel free to go to therock.com. That's our website. People never spell it right. R-A-O-C, which stands for Real Agent of Change, therock.com. And let me know that you found me here and I'll give you a free ticket to the Charitable Real Estate Masterclass. That's where we take a deep dive so that you can really understand how this can help your nonprofit, your real estate company, your people with multiple properties, it's kind of like, you know, the peace sign is is something that I resonate with a lot. We've got our key of peace that's going to be on our merchandise. Right in, yeah,
0: right in your book title, right? There yep, it is.
1: Absolutely. Love and I, I learned, uh, I actually researched the peace sign a couple of years ago because I got curious, how did that get created? And, um, you know, the peace sign when it was created was created for nuclear disarmament back in the 60s. And the peace okay. sign itself is a, a reflection of flagmen on the ship who hold up flags to guide planes in. Oh, so okay. nuclear N is a flag up and a flag down. D disarmament is two flags down like that. So you got the flags,
0: oh,
1: wow. nuclear disarmament with a circle around it. And I bring that up because the gentleman who was commissioned to create that symbol had the option and the opportunity to trademark it. And he mm-hmm. did not. He wanted people to use it. Wow. And now look how popular that sign is. Yeah. And that's how I feel about charitable gifting of real estate and what we're doing. We want everybody to have it. We want you to know how this is. Now, do we charge for certification and for our help with marketing and for the book? Well, duh, you know, I got to eat too. Eight miles a right. gallon. hmm. So, So we got to get paid too. But we We'll, we'll share this with anyone for free that wants to learn how it works.
0: Excellent. So go to therock.com. We'll put that in the show notes. It'll be easier as you're watching this You can, uh, post show. You can, we'll set up a link so you can click and find out more. Cami, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so and thank much. Thank
0: you for watching. Hope you got a lot out of this. Thanks for being part of the conversation. I'm Wolf. This is Wolf's Watch with Cammy Baker today, and we will see you on the trail.